just want to eat more, but I'm not going to ASMR our audience. It's probably a good thing. Mostly ASMRing me. <laughs> so, <laughs> unless you want me to put just that in the episodes. Crumch, crumch, crumch. <laughs> Throughout the whole episode. <laughs> I'm not adding it all, though. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. We're talking about chapter 30, Dungeons, today. And the beginning part of this chapter is talking about the wit and what you should do if specifically a houndsman's boy is suspected of the wit. Some tips and tricks to weeding out any witted boy. <laughs> yes. Watch out that he, uh, if the boy does not speak over much. If the hounds perk up before the boy is in sight or whine before he is left. And if the hound will leave off snuffing, turn aside from blood trail, or lie quiet at a boy's word, then be certain and hang him over water and burn the body. Yes. Because he has the wit. And then you have to get rid of all of the dogs and all of the dogs that were sired by that dog that the boy helped raise. Because they're all dirtied. And they will never fear or respect another master again. Also, one of the things to look out for is if the boy will refuse to beat an unruly hound, nor will he suffer his wit hound to be sold away or used as bear bait, no matter how old the dog, he probably has the wit. Yes. Definitely not empathy... For a living creature, or it's just really good at commanding animals. It's the wit. 100% the wit. <laughs> and also, it says that a hound who has known the wit use will neither fear nor respect any other master, but is sure to turn vicious when deprived of the witted one. Yeah, because when we know with the bond, when one of your bondmates dies, you kind of go crazy. a little crazy mm-hmm. because of the emotion and... You can feel their death. Yes. Yeah. So yes, that happens. <laughs> Just a little little harsh, but that yeah. pretty much describes Fitz to a T. Doesn't didn't really speak that much when he was younger. Yeah. Pretty much not at all. <laughs> People so were surprised when he spoke sentences to them. Right. The dogs would listen to him and he was very good at caring for them. And Nosy would whine or, you know, perk up any time that Fitz was coming or going, and Beric mentioned that. That's true, yeah. So, to be fair, these are pretty good signs overall, but looking at them, I can see how you could use it to accuse anyone naturally talented with animals, that they, for sure, they're witted, might as well kill them. (laughs) Which is sad. (laughs) Also, some of this is really hard to prove. I don't know how you would prove that just because some kid is quiet. Why would they have to prove it? They don't have to prove it later on. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I feel really bad for people that have wit magic. I can see how it would be very scary and why Burek has such an aversion to letting Fitz just use it willy nilly. It's very clearly a very serious offense in this area. 
Yeah, particularly because of the piebald prince and that whole story. And it ends this little paragraph by saying that anyone who is witted would never be loyal to their master, only to their wit hound. So it's just an interesting, like, peek into the mindset of non-witted people of, like, not only is the animal useless because it's only loyal to this one person, but the person is useless because they only care about their animal and would put the animal above their own master, Mm -hmm. which kind of just sounds like an animal-friendly person (laughs) in some ways, but yeah, I just feel bad for Again, I feel bad for the witted people. Uh, Then call them the old blood, Emma. Don't call them that slur. (laughs) You're right, I'm sorry. Old blood. We join Fitz back in the cells, in the dungeons. He's waking up, he's disoriented. He has none of his wounds tended to, and he is exhausted from his adventures fighting, running through the halls, and the Karis seed cake crash drug crash so he's exhausted and he says other than that i was fine i told myself this a number of times ignoring the trembling in my left leg and arm i opened my eyes that's where he got cut multiple times yes and he notices as after he opens up his eyes that he is in the dungeons and he's slowly 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 coming to conscious and trying to consciousness and trying to clear out his mind because he's so disoriented of what has happened he was hit on the head multiple times to mm-hmm. knock him out he briefly reaches out to night eyes but he says the illusion of safety was as much as night eyes could offer me so weak i was that even his thoughts to me seemed misty safe that was as much as he could convey yeah so He's not doing so hot. <laughs> I guess I guess you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a pretty bad state. He is not doing well. Nobody has looked after him. He's give, been given no medical attention at all, which is a little surprising. I know there's like a lot of confusion as to what happened the night of the king's death. Yeah, but is it surprising with I mean, Regal, with Regal in, charge? in charge? No, but You'd think somebody... He grew up there. You'd think there would be somebody who could get in there and help him or something. Yeah, but the king-in-waiting has his inlander guards guarding the prison and has claimed and accused Fitz of killing the previous king. So why would they afford him medical treatment? That's fair. It's just sad that... I don't know. The bravest person in the castle is Patience. Not that that makes it sad, because Patience is a pretty brave lady, but, like, sad in that nobody else could find the courage. I don't know. It. I'm sad for Fitz. <laughs> so he tries to call out for the guards, doesn't really hear anything, and kind of passes out again. He wakes up to Patience's voice, arguing with the guard that's there. Basically trying to say, like, what do you think I'm going to do with him? I'm just going to talk to him. I'll see to his wounds. You can hang him if you want to him, but you can hang him whole as easily as you can wounded, can't you? Like, just let me in. Let me look after my boy, basically. Yeah. And there's one guard there, and she keeps arguing with him. Fitz is getting up a little bit and trying to get moving because he hears, you know, a familiar voice. He croaks out her name, and she hears that, and... 
immediately just starts talking to him, ignoring the card now. Yes. Fitz, oh Fitz, are you all right? Fitz starts coughing after he started laughing because obviously it's absurd. And she kind of word vomits what's going on. Oh Fitz, the king is dead, she called to me from down the hall. The words tumbled from her in her haste to tell me all. And Queen Ketrakin is missing, and king-in-waiting Regal says you are at the bottom of all of it. They say, Lady Patience, you'll have to leave now, the guard attempted to break in. She ignored him. They say you went crazy in grief over Verity's death, and killed the king and Serene and Justin, and they don't know what you've done with the queen, and no one can find the fool. Wallace, he's the one. He said he saw you and the fool quarreling over the king's body, and then he saw the pox man come to carry his spirit away. The man is crazy! And Regal accuses you, too, of the low magic, of having the soul of a beast. That's how he said you killed the king. And, and all this time, the guard is just interrupting and trying to interject, like, hey, you can't do this. And then finally, madam, you have to leave now, or I will have to have you taken away. Then do that, Patience spat at him. I just dare you to try. Lacey, this man is bothering me. <laughs> it's kind of comforting i think it is it's just the typical bickering that you get in the patient scene yes and it's so patience that it it makes this foreign place that is scary a little bit more normal almost for a moment as you're reading it because there's comfort in knowing that patience is just her usual self things can't be that bad uh we come to learn this is kind of an act because things are in fact that bad but I think it almost is like a fake out of like, oh, okay, well, Patience is here, so, you know, Maybe don't be too freaked out. <laughs> right, yeah. The mother is in the story again. And so, eventually, Lacey kind of unhands the guard from touching Lady Patience and trying to escort her out, and the guard just gets like, okay, hey, please don't don't kill me, and just goes to find the other guard and leaves him alone down in the dungeons. Right, because Patience points out that they're not leaving unless they're dragged out, and he can't drag them out without leaving his post. So, he's gotta do something. <laughs> and Lady Patience hurries up to the bars after the guard goes away. Which Fitz finds funny, because of course the guard expected her not to go towards Fitz, and he couldn't believe that he trusted her to stay still. And so they have a conversation. She asks how Fitz is really doing, and they have a pretty frank conversation here. Fitz asks how the castle is actually doing, like what's really going on, and she said it's pretty much a huge mess. The Queen's Guard's gotten between the Buckkeep Guards and the Inlander Guards to separate out the fighting, and it wasn't just soldiers who were getting in that big brawl. A lot of people have black eyes and limps that are walking around still, so like we said last week, people got their licks in. Uh-huh. People who were bothering them. It's still really tense around there, and she does mention that no one amongst the guests, guests took serious harm. Blade took about the worst injuries, they say. He went down keeping the pharaoh men off you, cracked his ribs and blacked his eyes, did something to one of his arms. But Burek says he'll be alright. And with that mention, Fitz realizes that Burek didn't leave. So he's like, Burek? And she's like, yeah, he didn't get involved at all. He's fine if being ill-tempered and surly to all is fine, which for him I suppose is normal. 
My heart thundered inside me. Birik, why wasn't he gone? I dared ask no more about him. One question too many, and patience would get curious. So, and Regal, I asked. And she continues on saying that Regal's basically just kind of mad that he doesn't have an excuse to leave Buckkeep anymore because the king was his excuse before. And so now the coastal duchies, uh, the coastal dukes, excuse me, are pretty much demanding that he stay there because he doesn't have an excuse to leave inland anymore, like stay and defend or appoint someone that we approve of to man this keep. So they're kind of forcing his hand and taking advantage as best that they can. Right. And Regal offers up his cousin, Lord Bright, from Pharaoh, to which no one is happy. Right. <laughs> and so Patience makes the comment, Now that Regal finds himself suddenly a king, I do not think he is enjoying it as much as he expected to. Which I think is true. I think, especially this chapter, we see Regal kind of dealing with the reality of being king and not just the idea, even though he's still king-in-waiting. It's a lot of politics, which yeah, he getting knows. Getting pulled in different directions. Yes, which he knew before, but I don't think he realized that, yes, the king is the most powerful, but the king still has rules that they have to follow, and there's still boundaries set in place so the king can't overstep. It's yeah. it's not as simple as just a dictatorship. Right. I feel like Regal is thinking that only those rules apply when the coastal dukes are there, though. So he's right. just, like, waiting out for them to leave, and then <laughs> he'll be back to normal. So I think that's why he's kind of miffed about everything. He's like, I'm king of everything, but these guys also have a lot of power and soldiers here, so kind of have yeah. to play their games, and I'm not officially crowned yet, so... Right. No, it's definitely an interesting little dance we get to see play out throughout this chapter. Also, I do want to touch on the fact that Blade is the person who took fits down yep and fits said at the end of last chapter he does not know who knocked him out it's pretty safe to assume now that it was a pharaoh soldier yeah and a lot of them <laughs> yep they didn't stop once he was unconscious which is and blade i'm sure was horrible. still bear hugging fits the whole time yes i think blade obviously blade was not trying to harm fits in no, this i yeah. think he was trying to de-escalate the situation and underestimated how much the pharaoh people actually would continue to try to hurt Fitz. Yeah, he was policing the situation. He was just going to detain the people, mm -hmm. separate the fighters, jail right. a few of them, and get to the bottom of the situation. Right, but if you, if you ask me, he should have gone after the pharaoh people first because that would have <laughs> de-escalated a little bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, you know. But alas, I was not there to give my advice, so... <laughs> Patience goes on to explain that Regal eventually resorted to breaking down the queen's doors with axes to find that she was gone from inside, and no one knows where she went, and Regal is accusing uh, pretty much Fitz of having them turn up missing and probably being dead. Yes, he is going with the story that the queen in waiting and her child are dead. He also speaks wild charges of beast magic, saying you have slain the king with your wit. All demand proof for his claims, and he keeps saying, soon, soon. No mention of searching the roads and byways for Ketrikin then. I had gambled that his skill spies had not found out the whole of our plot. 
but I cautioned myself. If he had sent out searchers, I doubt they were ordered to bring her back alive and safe. Yes, after Will, and she does. She has to get reminded who he is because he's very nondescript. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't paid attention to him. She hasn't seen him around at all. Which doesn't necessarily mean he's not there. Right. I think we find out later he does get sent on because Fitz hasn't seen him for a while. Isn't he in trade for it or something? Maybe. And I feel like he gets moved out, moved about a little bit more. And that's why he wasn't joining Serene and Justin. I could be wrong, though. And so he asks Patience, like, does anybody else know you're here? Like, what's kind of going on with you? Are you all right? And Patience goes into her hallway. It was very difficult to get you here alone. Lacey had to, you know, lure one guard away, and then we had to deal with that one and everything like that. So she has a little... (laughs) A little kind of bragging kind of i don't know i just wanted to point out that passage because it again in the middle of this frank and dire conversation it feels like a little bit of patience again like oh you put me through so much trouble Mm -hmm. it was so difficult to do this and it like goes off without a flaw and she's kind of pointing out exactly what they did Uh uh (laughs) and it was so hard but she managed to do it pretty well of course not. This was not an easy thing to plan, Fitz. Lacey had to get an emetic into one of the guard's food, so he would leave only one on watch. Then we had to watch for him to leave. Oh, Lacey said to bring you these. She is wise, that one. Her hand went away and then came back to fumble one and then two small apples through the bars. Fitz moves on to... Ask about his reputation. Yeah, probably a pretty pressing question. What do they say of me? She was silent for a little bit and then says that mostly they say that you're crazy. Some of them say that you were witched by the pocked man to bring death amongst us that night. There is some gossip that you had planned to lead a rebellion and killed Serene and Justin because they found out about it. Others, not many, agree with Regal saying that you have the beast magic. Wallace mostly says such things. He declares the candles did not burn blue in the king's chamber until you entered it. And he says the fool was shouting that you had killed the king. But the fool is gone too. There have been so many omens of evil and so many fear now. Her voice dwindled away. I did not kill the king, I said quietly. Justin and Serene did. That is why I killed them with the king's own knife. The guards are coming back, a hiss from Lacey. Patience ignored it. But Justin and Serene weren't even... I don't have time to explain. It was done with skill. But they did, Patience, I swear it. What do they plan to do with me? It isn't decided, really. We've no time for polite lies. I actually heard her swallow. She goes on to explain that Regal wants you to hang. The only problem with his plan in this is that you can't hang royal blood. So the coastal dukes are, you know putting a stop to that by saying he is royal blood to which regal tries to deny in public specifically lady grace of ripon the dog lady yes that he uh, helps out earlier (laughs) that he helped save the dog Mm -hmm. that no carrier of the farseer blood can be put to death by sword or hanging but yeah he does try to deny that 
which everyone raises a shout to because it's pretty clear that Fitz does have royal blood. It's unclear if his thought in this moment of denying Fitz was because he thinks Fitz is dirty and that chivalry wasn't royal anyway and it's just habit or if he's trying to get away with saying Fitz has always been a fake and you know like I don't know if there's I think he's deeper plans in this or just mm. habit of like chivalry wasn't royal anyway so Fitz doesn't have royal blood I think it's more so not not specifically of chivalry but specifically of like Fitz is a bastard and he's not worthy of this and that he wasn't recognized as a prince probably plus his mm. hatred runs pretty deep so trying any way in the heat of a moment i can see trying any way to get him to hang immediately or get any leverage of like i have the decision over him because he's not royal like he's just we're gonna kill him right just denying that right out yeah but i didn't see anything deeper in that specifically mm. i was just wonder. it made me wonder what his thought process was behind trying that in front of people who knew his older brother and know fits like I just, <laughs> it just seems so stupid but sometimes regal just acts on instinct and then fixes as he goes yeah. he doesn't need to have a plan i guess but it is interesting that the talk is that fits definitely did something i mean they all witness and murder will justin justin sorry <laughs> they all witness and murder justin so something happened, but nobody's really sure what. I also want to take a minute to ask you what you think Regal is waiting for. What do you mean? Regal says that he can prove that Fitz has the beast magic. He just he'll have it soon. We know he brings the little girl into yeah, the cell. I think, I think that's what he's waiting for. But how does he know about her? I'm sure some of the soldiers are the people talking. Mm. I mean, I bet he had spies or at least people on his side and the people that went over. I'm sure. It just feels weird fight. that, like, that's the thing. I don't know. It's an eyewitness account. I suppose. Fitz seems to think that's the nail in the coffin, too. At the end of this chapter. so Right. Even though she's wrong in what she saw, but yes. But this is very a very hard thing for patients to talk about she tried to gloss over it for fitz's sake probably so he wouldn't be so scared he is still young and this is a serious it's thing that's his going mother on. yeah and she doesn't want to see that happen it's probably a little bit of delusion on her end too that maybe if she doesn't say it out loud it isn't real Trying to protect him and yes. protect her. <laughs> yes. I will do what I can for you, she whispered. She had tried so hard not to let any fear come into her voice, but now it broke on those words. And then she was gone, scolding at the guard like a jaybird all the way as Chester or whoever escorted her from the cells. He grabs the apples and eats all of the apple, including, including the, stem. the stem. Yeah. Just so gross. <laughs> I guess if you're hungry, but... Ugh. And he calls out for the guards for food and water, but they ignore him. And he gets night eyes in his head. Where are you? Beyond your reach, my friend. How are you? Fine, but I have missed you. You slept so deep. 
Almost I thought you dead. And Fitz replies, Almost I thought myself dead. That night. Did you guide them to the horses? I did. And they left. Heart of the pack told them I was a half-breed you had tamed, like I was a cur doing tricks. He sought to protect me, not to insult you. Why did not Heart of the Pack go with them? I do not know. What shall we do now? Wait. So he learns that Ketrikin and the Fool did go to Beric, and they did leave on horses. Mm-hmm. So at least he knows that they are safe. And well, as far Ish. as yeah. getting away, <laughs> somewhat safe. Guards bring some food, and... It's just a half a loaf of bread and some water. And he kind of contemplates where he's at in the moment after he inspects for poison, the food, and, and the water. The cells were not far from the wine cellars. I knew I could scream my lungs bloody and no one but my guards would hear. I had explored down here as a boy. I had seldom found occupants in the cells, and even more, rarely guards upon them. The swiftness of justice at Buckkeep meant there was seldom a reason to hold a prisoner for more than a few hours. Which I thought was very interesting because we know Fitz is down here for days. Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes into folks at the end of this chapter where when the Dukes approach Regal about a deal. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much makes it so Regal just needs to get a confession out of Fitz. Right. And then he has his way with him he he can torture him until he gets that confession right which probably is best case scenario for regal because he gets an excuse to torture Fitz. right right also it is very interesting to point out that buckkeep doesn't have super long waiting times to dole out justice as it's called here uh they point out that transgressions of law usually demand you pay with your life or the work of your hands which it's very interesting. I think it made me think about the Mountain Kingdom and how people at Buckkeep call them barbaric, and yet they are so black and white on their rules. You break a law, you die, or are in servitude. But just the idea that there's not like a big trial, it's presumably just the king <laughs> doling or a duke doling out justice. I mean, that's how it is most places. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't know if the Mountain Kingdom... Do they just bring them to the servants or no? I don't know. For punishment. I don't think we learn about their like judicial system. Yeah. But I just it's funny, I guess, it, what made me think of the Mountain Kingdom is because they're seen as barbarians. And to me, this almost feels barbaric to just like... Well, yeah, because we learn later that people. <laughs> Bingtown people think that the six duchies are barbarians. Yes. Because they don't have glass in their windows. Mm-hmm. No, it's so funny. It's it's just interesting how different cultures in general can like think that they're the ones doing things right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's like funny, especially like I guess as Westerners we look and see things that are weird to us now, but very interesting. Yeah, that's true. He's contemplating. He's trying to convince himself, and become happier with his mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. I tried for a while to convince myself that the queen had gotten away, I had won. After all, winning was getting what you wanted, wasn't it? Instead, I found myself thinking of how quickly King Shrewd had gone. And so, 
he tries so hard to be like, I won, right? Like this is this is winning, right? Like mm-hmm. I I did good, everyone. And yet, of course, he can't stop thinking about his own mortality and if he was hanged, would he go as quickly as King Shrewd did? With not so much as like a whisper, just a little mm-hmm. bubble popping. And he thinks about the future then, like what would happen? Would Verity come back and would there be a civil war to try to unite them again? Would the coastal duchy like coastal dukes even accept Verity because he had gone on some quest and eventually come back? You know, he wasn't there for them. Yeah, it's a lot to think about. And it feels like because we know he's going to survive this, I feel comfortable saying this should be some sort of lesson to him because last chapter when the possibility of dying for his king was just not reality thought, he was willing to do whatever, even if that meant looking crazy and chasing the coterie members through the halls to kill them openly because he's killing for his king and it doesn't matter, his life is on the line and he'd die happily. And now that that death isn't, in action there wasn't it's not a quick swift death this is going to be a long drawn out process it's a little bit more real and scary Mm -hmm. and i wish that fitz would learn the lesson of caution from this (laughs) well it lends a little bit of evidence to your thought on we were talking about addiction last episode yes and how you thought that he was more so just going into it because he's risky with his life, mm-hmm. for lack of a better explanation. And that that is what happened with this. He he charged headlong into something he's like, oh, I'm probably going to die. And he cried over it. And he went anyways. And now that he can see that death in the future and it's not of his own choosing, yeah, it's suddenly a lot more terrifying. Right. And I'm not saying that this is like a just punishment and that he deserves to go through this oh, to learn no, this lesson. No, yeah, I don't want anyone to think that. It's just because he goes through such a harsh life lesson here, I wish that it would make him learn something. <laughs> but we know that he's going to continue to rush headlong into things and not really think about consequences in the long term, unfortunately. Yeah. So he has a few uh, few rough days in yeah. here, and he hears patients return a few times, turned away with food and bandages from, by the guards, and Fitz doesn't call out. He specifically says, I wanted her to give up, to disassociate herself from me. Which is a good thought. Um, a little yeah. too late. <laughs> right. And also... This goes back to him not trusting anybody actually loves or cares about him. I'm sure Patience knows the risk she is putting herself in by continuously seeking after Fitzchivalry. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's doing. She is an adult. She knows the consequences of the actions she is doing. And for Fitz, it feels more real, I'm sure. And maybe she doesn't quite know how far Regal would go. She doesn't remember the conversation right. that, yeah, she but, doesn't know how far Regal can go. I don't think Regal would kill her, though. Maybe. I I don't know. I just feel like... Do you know how far Regal would go if no. killing her brought a closer conclusion to him being king and sure. more secure? But I don't think it would do anything for him at any point. Maybe later in the series. Um, 
But right she, now, yeah, yeah I, I, no, but even if she leapt over Fitz's body, I don't think he'd go out of her way to kill her. But it is sad that Fitz is like, well, maybe if I just stay quiet, she'll forget. <laughs> Ugh, poor Fitz, poor patience. This just makes this whole thing makes me more sad for what's coming. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ugh. Fitz lives in Night Eyes's mind for a little bit, off and on. Goes with him hunting, but that doesn't really satisfy his hunger. No. Or anything like that. But there was satisfaction in the gorging, he says. With his senses, I found the weather changing and awoke one morning knowing that a clear winter day had dawned. Raider weather. The coastal dukes could not linger much longer in Buckkeep if they had lingered at all. And with that thought... We get the meeting with Regal, three coastal dukes, and Fitz, and a plethora of guards behind them. Fitz remarks that Regal did not underestimate, underestimate my hatred, because there are rows of soldiers armed with pikes as if ready to hold a maddened beast at bay. Yes. The first thing out of Regal's mouth after he opens the door to show the coastal duchies Fitz is, you see him, Regal declared flatly, he is alive and well. I have done nothing. I have not done away with him, but know also that I have the right to. He killed a man, my servant, right in my hall, and a woman upstairs in her chamber. I have the right to his life for those crimes alone. And what's interesting here is I am sure Fitz looks real bad. Yeah, probably. He's been in this damp, cold stone room. There's nothing there. It's just stone and then a chamber pot in the corner. He's been irregularly fed, and his wounds have not been tended to. He's probably pretty dirty at this point. And Regal's like, see, he's alive and well. He's fine. Like, you're just... Showing proof that you're neglecting him in a cage. I don't know how this is better, but sure. <laughs> Brondi takes the lead here and says, King in waiting, Regal, you charge Fitzchivalry killed King Shrewd using the wit, Brondi stated. With ponderous logic, he added, I have never heard such a thing bef being possible, but if this is so, then the council has first right to his life for he would have killed the king first. It would take a convening of the council to decide his guilt or innocence and to set his sentence. And that's pretty important, and it is brought up again later on in this conversation, that Regal thinks that, oh, I can, I can kill Fitz no matter what because he killed Justin and Serene. Mm -hmm. But since Regal charged him officially and called it out to everybody with killing the king, that is for the whole kingdom to decide and not just killing regal's servants yes that is a trial that is you know evidence not necessarily a trial but that is evidence to the, that fact mm -hmm. and proving that fitz is witted and that he could kill somebody with that magic regal sighing in exasperation then i will have to convene the council let us get it done and over with it it is ridiculous to delay my coronation for a murderer's execution. My lord, a king's death is never ridiculous, Duke Shemshi of Jokes pointed out, quietly. And we will have done with one king before we have another regal king-in-waiting. So regal is kind of combative in this 
conversation. He's just trying to push back, like, let's get it over with. My father's dead. I'm going to be the king. Doesn't matter. Let's kill him, get it over with, and done. Mm-hmm. And the Dukes, of course, are like, Regal, you're a complete idiot and we hate you. We're going through the due process to hopefully get Fitz off the hook here. Yes. And also... <laughs> Unless they're... he actually killed the king and then he'll hang. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Obviously, they don't believe he did, or they believe that if he did, it will be very hard to prove. Right. And what's interesting is Fitz points out that Regal doesn't have any sorrow for the death of his father, and there's no respect in his responses to these dukes. And he's at a very dangerous spot because he's still just king-in-waiting, as Shemshi, Shemshi said. So... I don't know. It's very interesting to see Regal becoming frustrated. We don't know how long it's been since the death of the king. We know it's been at least a couple days. Yeah, but that's what we can guess, at least. Yeah, it could have been weeks. We don't know. Yeah, I really don't think it'd be weeks because Patience was only turned away a few times. And I feel like she would go pretty much every day. Right. So I, I feel like it would just be a couple days. At this point, I don't point. know if she would go every day. You don't, and you don't mm-hmm. think that the Dukes would be saying like, "We need to see this guy that he's alive still." Well, I think they would. I don't know. I think there's just so much going on. Presumably, they've already had a funeral for the king. That takes time, and that would probably take precedence over demanding to see Fitz. So, yeah, they did have a funeral. That, they mentioned yeah. that. So, however long that process takes, we don't know, and that could be several days in and of itself. Like. It's just, I don't know. There's a lot going on here. I just don't think it's been a week. I don't even think it's been a week yet. I think it's been like four days, five days max. Hmm. I was more willing to think that it had been a couple weeks, potentially, because when he's with Night Eyes, he says he feels the season changing. And that feels like not something that happens over two days. Yeah, but I think it's more so like he's he was talking about that before that, you know, storms were less frequent and the, a big storm was coming up for the that night. And then suddenly there was a clear day and he's like, oh, well, I guess it's starting to be that time. The Dukes can't stay stay here anymore. I didn't know if it was like a full season changing or not. I guess just says weather changing. So. That yeah. doesn't mean it's a season. It's like becoming spring, I guess. I suppose it could be longer. It just feels like with with the Dukes coming only now with this offer and this trial and stuff, I don't think Regal would hold off for multiple weeks That's fair. killing Fitz. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's hard. And it's written to be unknowable because Fitz doesn't First know. First person point of view, yeah. Yeah. So. And he literally says in here that, let me see here. Uh, so meals were no measure of the day because sometimes he was given them if he asked and sometimes he wasn't. So like yes. he literally has no time. Time passed slowly in that unchanging place. Yeah. There's no light except by a torch <laughs> that mm-hmm. the guards have. So. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing he can really track. But the Dukes are here now, and they are trying to win his freedom. Yeah, and Brondi points out here that what he he points out what Fitz is accused of. Your man Wallace said Fitz chivalry killed the king. You, king-in-waiting Regal, agreed, saying he used the wit to do it. 
Many of us believe that Fitzchivalry was singularly devoted to his king and would not do such a thing, and Fitzchivalry said the skill users did. For the first time, Duke Brondy looked directly at me. I met his eyes and spoke to him as if we were alone. Justin and Serene killed him, I said quietly. By treachery, they killed my king. Silence, Regal bawled. He lifted his hand as if to strike me. I did not flinch. And so I killed them, I continued, looking only at Brondy, with the king's knife. Why else would I have chosen such a weapon? Duke Kelvar of Ripon says that crazy men do strange things, you know, when, when they're in the heat of the battle. And Fitz says, like, I'm not crazy. I was as sane as I was when I fought outside of your walls at Nipe. And that kind of does sway him, being like, yeah, he is a berserker when he fights, some people have said. But Regal latches onto that and says, yeah, he gets crazy when he's fight. It's common talk also that he's blood on his mouth after he has fought and that he becomes one with the animals that he, is, he was raised with. He is witted. Silence greeted this remark. The dukes exchanged glances, and when Shemshi glanced back at me, there was distaste in his look. Brondi finally answered Regal. This is a grave charge you level. Have you a witness? And I want to point out that I think Shemshi is the only one that Fitz hasn't really spoken face-to-face with before much. Right. Because Brondi he's obviously been with before for the Virago incident and Solarity correspondence. And Duke Kelvar is the husband of Lady Grace. Yes. And he spoke with him multiple times before and, and has helped out that kingdom and or that duchy. I'm sure Lady Grace speaks highly of him. Right. So that doesn't And hurt. spoke up for him that night that you can't, you know, kill him by a sword or by hanging. He has farcier blood. Yes. Yeah. And I also want to point out that Brondi is the one taking control in this situation. He's the one trying to defend Fitz the most. This is unclear if the reason being that Brondi has the most power politically. I don't know. That is cleared up in the next couple paragraphs here. The, uh, Regal says, let us convene the council. And then Fitz remarks that the three dukes exchanged glances. Their eyes came back to me considering. Duke Brondi led the coast now. I was certain of it when he was the one who spoke. Right. But I'm saying, why does he get to lead? Right? Like, what gives him the power? Mm. Does he have the biggest, like, duchy? I think they trust him the most. He's the one that approached Fitz to begin with. You know, he he is yeah. the biggest soldiery duchy. And uh, Fitz remarks that the closest thing that we have to warriors are the duchy of Burns. Right. Still. Didn't... Queen Constance? Is she from Burns? No, but she had family there, I believe. In Burns and Shokes. I th- yeah, I think she was Shokes. And then had family amongst the nobility. So I was going to say maybe it's her brother or something. <laughs> so, I don't know. I was, trying to, I was trying to think. He does have one of the bigger duchies. I did look. And yeah. the map, his looks somewhat bigger. But I think it's because he has the most ties to Fitzchivalry and probably vouch for him the most. True. He has the most glimpse into the inner workings of who he is as a man mm-hmm. because of his correspondence with Solarity right. and talking with him as an adult rather than 
Fitz just tagging along as the dog boy to right. Duke Kelvar's place. Or being a, you know, an unknown soldier who came and fought. Right. And here's another question that popped into my mind. Do you think he is so steadfast in his devotion to Fitz at this moment, even with the wit accusation, because he knows about his daughters? Like I mentioned before, I think they have... I don't know if he knows about his daughters. I don't know if his daughters know that it is the wit or if they're, you know, what they're fully capable of right now. But I feel like since they're more remote, they would have more of a tolerance for that because, you know, the central way of thinking wouldn't have affected them as much. The piebald princes, whatever, wouldn't have affected them as much. Right. They're more remote. They might be more old blood folk living up there. I don't know. Yeah. It's just interesting to me, especially because he is the one who has said, I've never heard of Wit being able to kill somebody. Yeah. So he's almost admitting he knows stuff about the Wit, which I'm sure all of them could do. Be, right. It could just be, I've never heard those rumors. Like, I've heard rumors, but not those. Right. I don't know even if Duke Brondy is very steadfast by Fitz at this point. He is. You can tell, like, if he was not found guilty and with the offer that they give him, they would have still appointed Fitz as the head of, you know, Buckkeep and and steered them on this. But I think they are fully willing to drop him. That's fair. I mean, they they do later. Yeah, they want to keep their resistance and their duchies alive. And so it's still political in the point of that they haven't shoved everything behind Fitz. It's not out in the open, so... If it still goes through, great. Original plan. If it doesn't, okay, drop them. No one knows. Yeah. Well, everybody kind of knows. Yeah, but, I mean, that's their own nobles. Right. (laughs) Duke Brondi led the coast now, and he was the one who spoke. King-in-waiting Regal, let us speak plainly. You have accused Fitz Chivalry, son of Chivalry, of using the wit, the beast magic, to slay King Shrewd. This is indeed a grave charge. To satisfy us of it, we ask that you prove to us not only that he is witted, but that he can use it to do injury to another. All of us were witness that there were no marks on King Shrewd's body, no sign of a death struggle at all. Had not you raised this cry of treachery, we might have accepted that he had died of his years. Some even have whispered that you but seek an excuse to be rid of Fitz chivalry. I know you have heard these rumors. I speak them aloud that we may confront them. Brondi paused as if debating with himself. He glanced once more at his peers. When either Kelvar or Shemshi gave a sign of dissension, he cleared his throat and continued. We have a proposal, King-in-waiting Regal. Prove to us, sir, that Fitzchivalry is witted, and that he used that wit to kill King Shrewd, and we will let you put him to death as you see fit. We will witness your coronation as king of six duchies. Further, we will accept Lord Bright as your presence in Buckkeep and allow you to retire to your court in Tradeford. Triumph gleamed briefly on Regal's face, then suspicion masked it. And if, Duke Brondy, I do not prove this to your satisfaction? Then Fitz Chivalry lives, Brondy calmly decreed, and you give him stewardship of Buckkeep and the forces of Buck in your absence. All three coastal dukes lifted their eyes to meet Regal's. Which is a very bold plan, and they kind of back Regal into a corner, because if Regal is telling the truth, which 
you know, Regal kind of has to assume that they think he's telling the truth-ish. Then he has to prove it, and then he's won all everything that he wants. But if not, uh-huh. it's very it's very high stakes, and it it's very smart on the coastal dukes because it doesn't leave them in a bad position either way. Right. It's either the same position that they were at with no one to lead them, and mm-hmm. they knew that they were going to be separated anyways, or with their plan of a united four duchies on the yeah. coast. Yeah. No, it's super smart and big that they are backing him into this corner because it's kind of calling his bluff. And I love that they point out, if you wouldn't have accused him of this, nobody would have thought anything of it. The king would have died of natural causes for all we knew. Mm -hmm. And now you've raised suspicion, so now we think somebody had to have killed him. And if that's the case, we need a trial. And so this is on you, Regal. And I also love that they keep calling him king in waiting, just rubbing it in that you're not king yet, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) This is treason and treachery, Regal hissed. Tensions kind of mount at that, and only Brondi remained unmoved. My lord, do you bring more charges? He asked calmly. Again, we will demand them proved. It could further delay your coronation, which I think is so <laughs> badass. That was such a good line. Just was... like, oh, you're claiming that we're treasonous and traitors? You'll have to prove that, and it will delay your coronation again. Guess that'll be the next trial to happen, because there has to be two now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> will you even get crowned at all? <laughs> so Regal backs down. He's like, I spoke in haste, my dukes. They're trying times for me, and he gives them the whole line of crap oh. that, you know... My, my father just died. Clearly, I'm upset. Yeah, I'm and sure my... sure everyone rolls their eyes. My brother's wife and her child are missing and probably dead and, you know, all of this crap. And then he tries to weasel his way out of this. I will acquiesce to this bargain you set before me. I will prove it's chivalry witted, or I will set him free. Does that satisfy you? No, my king in waiting, Brondi em- said quietly. Emphasis, Emma. <laughs> Such were not the terms we set. If innocent, Fitzchivalry will be set in command of Buckkeep. If you prove him guilty, we shall accept Bright. Those were our terms. And then what we've been discussing, where. Regal tries to kill Fitz any way he possibly could. He says, And the deaths of Justin and Serene, valuable servants and coterie members, those deaths at least we know we may put at his door. He has admitted as much. The look Regal turned on me should have killed me right there. How deeply he must have regretted charging me with murdering Shrewd. But for Wallace's wild accusations and Regal's backing of them, he could have demanded me drowned for Justin's death. That, as everyone had witnessed, was my doing. Ironically, his own desire to vilify me was what was staving off my execution. Which is true, he was so eager to be like, he did the highest crime, and it just delays everything. Right. Well, ironically, though, this rampage of trying to dirty Fitz's name works for almost all of Fitz's life after this. True. It The reputation sticks. And people do not look kindly on him or his memory for a really long time. And I feel like that's partially because the trial or like 
the council is never convened and that never happens because Fitz quote unquote dies before that. Yes. And so he dies in the cell. So it's never resolved. It's never an official. He didn't do this. It was just the soon to be King Regal saying he killed King Shrewd using the wit and then he died in the cell. So everyone's still thinking that public opinion. Right. Yeah. It's woof. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in a way, Regal kind of wins the long game in this, but it is this misstep that leads him to not being able to kill Fitz ultimately. And Brondi does come back saying, like, for the crime of him being witted and the killer of your father, those are the only ones will let you hang him. As to the others, he claims that they were the ones that killed the king, so... If he was not guilty of killing the king, he was probably justified in killing them. So that's, we don't care (laughs) at that point. Basically, get wrecked. (laughs) And if I refuse them, Regal flared angrily. Brondi shrugged. The skies are clear, my lord. Raider weather for those of us with coasts. We must disperse to our own keeps to guard our coasts as as well we may. Without the convening of the full council, you cannot crown yourself king, nor lawfully appoint a man to hold Buck in your stead. You must winter at Buckkeep, my lord, and confront the sea pirates even as we do. And again, Regal bluntly asks, am I your king or not, after saying, oh, you're using these petty laws and traditions. All to force me to your will, which is ironic coming from Regal. (laughs) And Brondi comes back, you are not our king. Brondi pointed it out quietly but firmly. You are our king in waiting, and likely to continue waiting until these charges and this issue is resolved. He says very well, and Regal does accept those terms and that bargain. He turned and looked at me. I knew then that he would not keep his word. I knew I would die in this cell. That sick and sudden knowledge of my own death blackened the edges of my vision, set me swaying on my feet. I felt I had taken two steps back from life. A coldness crept up inside me. They're agreed, and Brondi turns to Fitz Chivalry and asks him if he's treated well there. He takes off his cloak and tosses it to Fitz, and under that weight, Fitz kind of falls back against the cell. He's pretty weak at this point. Fitz says, water, bread. I looked down at the heavy wool garment. Thank you, I said more quietly. And eventually they are trying to give him a few creature comforts. They're like, hey, why can't you put some straw in here? And the other duke is saying, like, just give him marching rations. No one can say you pampered him. But at the same time, you'll have a healthy man at trial. So Right. Which, because this happens because Regal is angry and trying to act like he has it better than most people do. Who cares that it's so bad? It doesn't matter if he's prisoner. He's got to be alive for a trial, which is the whole point. Regal doesn't want him alive for trial. (laughs) And Fitz knows when listening to this conversation that nothing's going to change. He's not going to get straw put in or more food. (laughs) He'll probably still get the same water and bread that he's always gotten. They close the door, they walk away, and he's still scared because 
Fitz thinks of calling out, of telling them, them all, all the dukes, that Regal would not let me live, that he would find a way to kill me here. But he doesn't, because they wouldn't have believed him. They still did not fear Regal as they needed to. So Fitz is secure in his knowledge that he is going to die in these dungeons, and he is right. Regal is going to make his best attempt to get a confession out of him first, because he would want that spectacle. But that doesn't work, so in the next few chapters, he just continues on, with no point to it. Right. And he does end up dying here, brought back to life later, but he will die in this. And it's sad to think about the conditions in which he is going to be forced through. I also feel bad for him because if he did yell after the Dukes and say, Regal's crazy, he's going to kill me, that would probably look pretty bad considering people are already saying that he probably lost his mind. Right. And make him look even more crazy. So really, Regal's doing pretty well. He... He's backed into a corner for this, but he can use it to his advantage. He's used to twisting things to get his own way. And, I mean, really, all Regal knows now is that he made the right choice in making sure the Coastal Dukes were attacked and and letting their people die with with making deals with the the Pale Lady, Pale Woman. (laughs) I can never remember her name, Uh, but... He probably feels vindicated in that decision because clearly they hate him. Instead of looking at it, reflecting on his own misdeeds, he's, I'm sure, thinking, you know, he's right. justified. The knowledge of my death once more filled me. Once again, I thought I might faint. I pushed at it, vaguely repelling at my own thoughts of how Regal might choose to kill me. There were so many ways. He remembers the little pack in his sleeve of the poison that he prepared for for Wallace but decides against using it if it was a quick death he might he said he might use that right but this was meant to be drawn out and long and painful and, mm-hmm. and kind of torturous in its own right so he's like later it might become preferable to whatever regal offered but for now no there was no comfort in that thought and so he falls asleep and wakes up later to what he thinks is uh, Chade talking to him from his dream, but it's in real life. Right. Chade's urgent voice had been pleading with me. I sat up slowly. The cadence and tone of the muffled voice definitely was Chade's. It seemed fainter when I sat up. I lay down again. Now it was louder, but I still couldn't pick out the words. So he starts shouting, I can't understand you, and Chade's voice pauses and resumes more excitedly, kind of in a questioning tone, and a little bit louder. Uh, Excuse me, Chade doesn't get louder at all, but Fitz does, and he yells eventually, I can't understand you, and the guard comes by. So Fitz obviously has to just kind of ignore it, because he can't understand Chade, so he just like plays off, oh, it was a bad dream, I was shouting because of bad dream. Right. Which... He starts off the sequence by feeling like Chade had just been lecturing him for not paying attention. So that kind of seems to me like he could almost understand the words, but maybe just in the anxiousness of trying to figure out where Chade is, he's not like 
able to focus or something. I'm not really sure. Could be that. It could be just a dream and Chade's voice in the real life triggered memories from... Right. Fair enough. Every single time he was with Chade lecturing on him on not paying attention. Could be, yeah, it could be either one. But also, is this Chade coming from the walls of the... I think so, yeah. Because I ask this because later in the final series, I believe... He is sneaking down to the dungeons because one of the walls in the basement has a skill sid- stone. Yeah, skill stone that leads directly to the tower in Kelsingra. I believe. Uh, to Eslovjal. Ah, Eslovjal. Thank you. So, is that how he gets there? Probably through his passageways. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting little details. Fitzley's back goes back to sleep after the inland guard has made comment that it's hard to imagine what dream could be worse than waking up for him Fitz kind of agrees with that yeah again he says I was going to to have to die here at least let it be because I had aided the queen's escape and he starts to wonder how far she had gotten on her journey thought of the fool and wonder how well he was withstanding the journey he forbade himself to wonder why Birik was not with them. Instead, I thought of Molly. I must have drowsed, for I saw her. And this is where he goes into that skill trance and actually is with her at this point. She is going up a hill with uh, buckets on her arms of water, heading towards a tumble-down cottage snowbanked against its walls. She stopped and set her water buckets down at the door and stood looking out over the sea. And that's why I think it was only, also why I think it was only a few few days or maybe a week, because there's still snow on the cottage there. Right. It's just the storms seem to have passed, so I don't know. Maybe it's the beginning of spring? Could be, yeah. She frowned at the fair weather and the light wind that only tipped the waves with white. The wind lifted her thick hair just as I used to and slid its hand along the curve of her warm neck and jaw. Her eyes went suddenly wide. Then tears brimmed them. No, she said aloud. No, I won't think of you anymore. No. She stooped and lifted the heavy buckets and went into the cottage. She shut the door firmly behind her. The wind blew past it. The roof was poorly thatched. The wind blew harder, and I let it carry me away. So this is really Molly in real time. Yep. He is scaling at the moment. Do you think... He was brought to her because of Nettle, unborn Nettle. Potentially, and I think that's what we get later on. We Mm -hmm. see Molly through Nettle's eyes, but this, I think, is just him skilling because he contacts Verity and they talk. Verity says that only illness or distress or... You know, whatever breaks down the walls enough for you to skill. And he says he thinks of Molly right right before he falls asleep. So I think it just brought him that way. And so he follows that wind and eventually he's aware that there's a thicker stream below him. I thought of diving deeper down into the main flow of it where it could sweep me away entirely. Right out of myself and all my petty worries. I trailed my hands in that deeper current, swift and heavy as a moving river. It tugged at me. I'd stand back from that if I were you, 
Would you? I let Verity consider my situation for a moment. Perhaps not, he replied grimly. So he says that I should have figured because only extreme duress could break down your walls to skill. They were both silent for a little bit, and then... All of a sudden... So. My father is dead. Justin and Serene. I should have guessed somehow. His weariness and dwindling strength. Those are the hallmarks of a kingsman drained too low too often. I suspect it had been going on long, probably since before Galen died. Which I highlighted because we had questions on when that did start. Right. And I kind of wavered back and forth. I'm like, oh, it could have been going on for a long time. Maybe it was sooner. But uh, I think you always kind of stated that it had been going on for probably a, a while. Right. Which makes sense because Verity says here that only he, Galen, could have conceived such a thing, let alone devised a way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that the reason I've been so adamant that it had to have been going on for so long is just that it would make sense for Galen to have started it yeah. and taught the people. I don't think that's something that Justin and Serene were smart enough to figure out on their own. But I think Galen was better at hiding it and not taking as much as quickly. And especially if two people are the ones. Right. And right. they seem to be very greedy for skill. I almost think if think of skill as like in a video game where you have like a energy bar, if it's something that like can be depleted and then refills and maybe you thinking of Zelda right now. I am thinking of Zelda, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm just thinking because it seems as though, I mean, you always have some and once you're done, you leave this world. Apparently Uh, that's what happened to King Shrewd. It seems, but also a king's man can be depleted low too often, which has the idea of like your energy gets to a point and then you have to stop and then it'll recharge or whatever. Right. Cause it uses know. your body's strength as well. It seems right. because as we see with uh Verity's explanation, weariness and dwindling strength. Mm-hmm. So obviously the skill has something to do with your actual body's function as well, which is mm-hmm. really interesting with if you consider those who don't have the skill at all or any you know sensitivity to the skill do they still have the skill in them technically is it just like blocked off from everything or what because it i don't know it's it just brings up that really weird conversation again right of that we don't know the origin or what it does or what it is technically it's the rumpelstiltskin of magic it all comes at a price (laughs) So Verity goes through that explanation of, well, Fitz first says, like, there's another one we have to fear. Will's out there still. Right. And Verity goes through the whole explanation of what we've been saying the whole time. Like, oh, it would make sense. We're all fools. They delayed the messages. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been in Regal's pocket the whole time. Blah, blah, blah. They obviously know. figured out our trick that right. you could skill. And that's why it was only successful the first couple times. And they were spying upon those conversations the whole time through the king. Yes. And Fitz refrains of thinking about Ketrikin safely on her way to the mountains because he doesn't know if they're still being watched. Mm-hmm. So he says, there is still Will and Burl and Carid. We must be circumspect, my prince. Verity responds that, I shall. And you know the depths of my thanks. Perhaps we paid highly 
but what we bought was worth it, to me at least. To me also. I sense the weariness in him, and the resignation. Are you giving up? Not yet, but like yours, my future does not seem promising. The others are all dead or fled. I will go on. He says he's extremely tired, and Fitz digs deep to try to read Verity a little bit more. Try to see what's really going on, and he can sense that he's in a cold area with a an injury that makes it difficult to breathe, so probably a broken rib or bruised rib or something like that. He can sense his aloneness and the pain of knowing that those who had died had died so far from home and for him. Hod, I thought, my own grief echoing his. Cherim, gone forever. And something else. Something he could not quite convey. A temptation. A teetering at the brink. A pressure, a plucking, very similar to the skillish plucking I had felt from Serene and Justin. I tried to push past him to look at it more closely, but he held me back. Some dangers become more dangerous when confronted, he warned me. This is one of them, but I am sure it is the path I must follow if I am to find the elderlings. And he's jolted out of his reverie after that. Yes. So, this is a rough time for Verity. A lot of people have died under his watch. And he's not even sure what he's doing anymore. It almost seems like a lost boy, like a child at this point where he knows he's doing what he's supposed to do. He knows he's going the right way. But there's this weariness of, I don't know what to do when I get there. I don't, I don't know what, what's left to give. Yeah. And he just lost his father. It's all very sad. What do you think the plucking is? The skill road. Me too. I think it's that, that dangerous temptation to dive into that because it's a personified skill river, basically. Mm-hmm. It fully distracts Fitz because he's not trained for it at all mm-hmm. and pretty much puts him, puts him into a trance, but Verity knows what to do to guard against that a mm-hmm. little bit more. And he's a little bit more wary and skilled in those things, and I really think that's the temptation as well. Right. Well, we know that the skill feels good when you use it. It's like a drug. And being that close all by yourself to this road that is basically emanating the feel-good drug 24-7 would be very hard to resist the temptation of. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it more next book, but like, can't we just take a moment to celebrate how cool Verity is and how strong he is and like his convictions and determination and yeah. skill because man he goes through everything that Fitz goes through on the travels and he does it alone yeah. and he's fine and, and then he, he carves also... a full dragon by himself until the very end when he gets a little help like yeah oof. also I would like to point out that not only does he do it alone but he does it Facing the death of people he cares about, and injured. including his father, and injured. And this is after years of wasting away from the skill. And he's, probably his closest friend, Cherim. Yeah, that's Who's his, like, valet for... Forever. <laughs> forever, and since Chivalry died, it was probably his closest friend. Yeah. So he's really, really a strong person. I do 
think that I sometimes forget how powerful Verity is because he is constantly compared to his brother and the disdain, not disdain, but disappointment that the king shrewd feels towards Verity being king in waiting is so evident and makes him such a mopey character that it's super easy to forget that he's actually very strong and very capable. He just wasn't in a role that he was good at. Yeah. I mean, King Shrew does say that Verity was the strongest out of all of their family. Mm-hmm. Strongest that he's seen. So stronger than King, uh, was it Bounty as well? Yeah. Shrew's dad. So obviously he is the strength he just doesn't have the delicate touch (laughs) yeah he would have to be super strong he's been taking elf bark for forever yeah i know and still deterring the raiders that's crazy he's insanely powerful and he deserves a little bit more credit than he gets i think so what breaks him out of his fits his reverie and that skilling contact is regal and a guard, and a little girl. Regal asks the girl, is that him? And she says, yes, sir, Lord Prince, King, sir. That's him. I went to the well that morning. Had to. Had to have water, or the baby would die, just as sure as if the raiders killed him. And it had been quiet a while, all Nipe as quiet as the dead. So I went to the well in the early morning, creeping like through the mist, sir. Then there was this wolf there, right by the well, and he starts up and stares at me. And the wind moves the mist, and the wolf is gone. He's a man now. That man, sir, your majesty king. She continued to stare at me wide-eyed. I recalled her now. The morning after the battle for Nipe and Bagard. Night Eyes and I had paused to rest by the well. I recalled how he had jostled me awake as he fled at the girl's approach. And so we went over what that girl probably had seen before as well, and she repeats it here, that it was just kind of bad timing and bad circumstance and probably in shock from the battle and everything and desperation Mm -hmm. that she saw a wolf running away and then or getting up and looking at her and then just Fitz there because Fitz was hidden by the well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it is foggy that day, and I'm sure she looked around see if anybody else was there so she probably took her night her eyes off night eyes when he ran away so it's just really unfortunate i still don't understand how one little girl a child could be evidence all fitz has to do is pretend like he's never seen her before well regal also makes mention of you know the soldiers who can attest to the wolf prince being where he fought that night and the bite marks in the wolf prince by the forged ones in the forest and all those sorts of things. So there's a bunch of circumstantial evidence, plus an eyewitness account would probably be enough. But you think that he would need, like, a stronger eyewitness account? I don't know, like... That's why Fitz also says that now he's just going to torture me for a confession and then it's over. I guess, yeah. Because he has enough outside evidence as if he gets the confession, that's it. Yeah, true. So Regal says you're a brave girl, and she walks away with the guard, and and Regal stands alone in front of the cell and does his best evil monologue, his villain monologue. After being scared by Fitz, who comes up to the door. And looks down at him through the bars. (laughs) To which Regal takes a step back. And I think that anger sparks him to evil monologue. 
Yeah, he says, you were so gullible, such a fool. You and all your foolish plottings. I knew all of them. All of them, bastard. All of your little chats with our queen. The tower garden bribes to turn Brondi against me. Even her plans to leave Buckkeep. Take warm things, you told her. The king will go with you. He stood on tiptoe to be sure I could see his smile. She left with neither, bastard. Not the king, nor the warm things she packed. He paused. Not even a horse. His voice caressed the last words as if he had been saving them for a long time. He watched my face avidly. I suddenly knew myself for nine kinds of a fool. Rosemary. Sweet, sleepy child, always nodding off in a corner. So bright one could trust her with any errand. So young one forgot she was even there. Yet I should have known. I was no older when Chade had first begun to teach me my trade. I felt ill and it must have shown on my face. I could not recall what I had or had not said in front of her. I had no way of knowing what secrets Ketrikin had confided over the little dark curly head. What talks with Verity had she witnessed? What chats with Patience? The Queen and the Fool were missing. That only I knew for certain. Had they ever gotten out of Buckkeep alive? Regal was grinning, well satisfied with himself. The barred door between us was the only thing that kept my promise to Shrewd intact. He left, still grinning. Regal says that, or Fitz in his mind says that Regal has the proof that he had the wit. The neat bay girl was the binding knot for that. All that remained now was for him to torture from me a confession that I had killed King Shrewd. He had plenty of time for that. However much time as it would take, he had. Verity had been right. Regal had won. So his last, like, paragraph of him saying, oh no, did they even get out of the castle alive? He knows they did. He talked to Night Eyes, but he's been in here. He's malnourished. He's weak. He's injured. So he doesn't remember that Night Eyes told him, yeah, I led them to Beric and the, the horses and they left. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> right. He should get that in his head a little bit. Right. And also... If they were dead and Regal knew for sure they were dead, he would have bragged that they were dead. Right. He's sure that he's won at this point. He would not hold back. But also, I do want to back up a little because we have a lot to unpack with what just happened. That was a big wall of text. It's interesting to see how Regal is thinking of this situation. He's been planning this since the mountains, since they've come back from the mountains, basically. Probably since before then, but... He points out that Fitz thought he was so smart because he had Verity's protection, as though that should have been the only thing Fitz thought he had. Not King Shrewd to protect him, which is interesting because when they came back from the mountain, King Shrewd was still kind of himself. Mm. He was starting to go, but he was still lucid half the days. Right, yeah. He was bedridden and in pain, but yeah. And then I found what I found very interesting was how he says that King Ketrickin had planned to turn Brondi against him with the bribe in the tower. That's such an interesting thing to me, because that's not at all what this was, first of all. But second of all, Regal sees it that way, of course. Of course he sees it that way. But I don't understand why it would matter, why he thinks... That it would be that hard to convince them to turn away from Regal anyway because he has been a horrible person to them. Why would they like him anyway? 
Why would they support him in any re- for any reason with how horrible he has been to them? Just because he's royalty doesn't mean they have to follow him. They can still fight against his rule. So it's like weird to me that he's like, clearly it was a plot to get them to not like me anymore. Because he's just bragging. He's like, I knew all of your trying to do this, but it was all futile. I guess. It just seems odd that like he thought there would even be a need to turn them against him. Clearly, he does not have their favor. He's yeah, not he doesn't care either. I, I think guess. I think he's literally just rubbing it in Fitz's face that I knew everything that you tried to do, but it doesn't matter because I knew already. Right. But also, I do feel bad that, like, Fitz is so shocked about Rosemary. And maybe the negative feelings he harbors for her stems from the upcoming torture that he receives because it is kind of her fault if she hadn't been there he wouldn't have been able to know as much he still would have known some things because he had his skill coterie listening in so it still would not have been fully secret i think it's some guilt towards himself as well expressing it in anger towards rosemary because if he had caught her or thought of her None of it wouldn't have gone as badly as it did either. So I think it's just kind of ashamed at himself as well. Right. But also, just quick question: Um, what does Regal think happened to the Queen and the Fool? Does he just not care and assume they're gonna freeze to death on their way to the mountains, or he doesn't know that they're going to the mountains? He just knows they're going somewhere cold, which is the mountains. (laughs) Well, it's winter. I guess. So he doesn't know that it's the mountains. I guess. It could be Burns. That's fair north. Enough. That's fair. I guess it just like felt weird to me that like <laughs> he's like, well, they don't have any warm clothes or horses and we still haven't found them. And it's been several days, probably at least a week at this point, because this is probably a day or two after the right. Dukes have been there. So it's in at least a week. We still haven't found them, and they're presumably on foot. But I clearly undermined all of your plans. I mean, does it even matter, really, if they were alive? Well, because then Regal does what Chade said he would, and he just like once he's the king, he can do whatever he wants. He can prevent them from coming back in, and then it doesn't matter. Like he's still king, right? But. So I don't know if he cares. He knows they're still alive, so like... I don't know if he cares. (laughs) You know, I I just don't think, like... I think he is so in his head about, like, I am truly victorious here. Smartest person alive. Yeah, that that nothing can really get to me right now. Everything else is just an inconvenience. Yeah, they're forcing me to do this council thing, but I'm going to make you die either way. It doesn't matter. It's just dragging this out which is annoying to me which is why he's angry i don't even like if if he finds out ketrakin's alive he'll just send an assassin like oh this is just a usurper who's pretending to be her and not the actual child they died a long time ago and then she'll die from his assassin and that'll be that that's fair i think he's just so delusional and narcissistic and in his own head with self-importance that he can't see any other way that this is going down fair I don't know. It's just frustrating to watch. And also, I'm mad that Fitz didn't get any good quips in. Like, I don't know. It ju- it's just frustrating. 
<laughs> you just want a wish that, nice like, little witty one-liner. Yeah, it's like at least one thing. <laughs> like, I mean, he did get Regal to step back, even though there's a door in between them. So clearly Regal is a little scared of Fitz. And also super short, question mark? Like, same size as Patience, because Patience couldn't even see at the window. And Regal stands on his tiptoes to show Fitz he's smiling. I think Regal can see in, so he's taller than Patience. Patience literally had to only put her hand up so she could touch Fitz's hand. But Regal can look in, but tiptoes to see his smile. So I think he is taller, but like... Barely. <laughs> there's like a heads difference. Like, Patience right. is two heads taller than chivalry or then uh, fit chivalry regals in between them but they always mention that fit chivalry got chivalry's height so i think chivalry yeah. was very tall right and i'm not trying to like make fun of regal's height like the height does not determine the type right. of man it's just kind by of any means but it's like a funny, funny visual yeah a funny visual that regal's trying to be all macho and he's still scared of someone with a door and several days of malnourishment in between them <laughs> i don't know i do want to uh, point out again something that was brought up at the end how regal says that they were without horses so regal did prevent those two horses and the donkey going with birik birik was not able to take those in the warm clothes or whatever but he's also discounting that sooty and ruddy were stashed away before all this happened right that uh regal did not know of birik was still paying bribes to that smithy so those are the two horses that go, and that's why Birik did not go along, because there were only two horses, mm-hmm. so the Fool and Ketrickin went alone, and Birik had to stay back. Yes. And we're off. Right, things are about to get painful. <laughs> <laughs> Reading and physically for Fitz. Yes. This is a, uh, I don't know, the next chapter is literally called Torture, so. Right. Looking forward to that one. Mm. Yeah. These chapters, it's so interesting how the last couple chapters of every book is like pins and needles, what's going to happen next, and a lot of tension building. And this chapter specifically was frustrating to read almost because I know what's coming. And so I had this like pit in my stomach, like nothing is going to happen this chapter. And yet... You, I know it's coming. And you hear all those plans that the Dukes are making and yes. like they're trying to wiggle things out and scheme for Fitz to still, you know, lead and everything. And you know, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And it's hard because they have a good idea. And if Regal was a man of his word and somebody you could like trust at face value, this could have worked. I mean, I don't know, because he still has that eyewitness, which is apparently the nail in the coffin. But I think they could have wiggled out of that one if it weren't for the fact that Regal is willing to do anything. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We're looking forward to uh, hearing your feedback for the rest of the, the series here and the next chapter. Please reach out to us, isfitshappy at gmail.com. You can email us directly at that link or that uh, email address. Or you can message us directly, isfitshappy at Instagram, or isfitshappy on Twitter, and we're at facebook.com slash isfitshappy on Facebook. Let us know what you're thinking. We look forward to hearing from you. 